The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Good morning, everyone. Where's my microphone level? There it is. I'm here. This is Dave. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. And whether you're on your way down to a barbecue down the Cape or stuck on Route 2 in some godforsaken traffic or trying to figure out who you need to bribe to get your call, to get your uh, son or daughter into Yale, that's what we're talking about today, uh, you've reached the Boston Podcast, so all is cool. This is uh, David Yaz, your host, and my guest today, apropos of this subject, is a higher education attorney, John Graff. John. Dave. Say hello to our listening public. Hello, listening public. Thank you. So, John, with with that kind of fanfare you just heard, is launching a podcast that will appear on this very network. As a matter of fact, it is launching today. Um, well, it's launching tomorrow as we speak, but in podcast world, who knows? You, let's face it. You are listening in the future. We're talking to future versions of people that we know. Anyway, so you go to pod617.com. You find Higher Ground, which is uh, a podcast about all the ins and outs of higher education. John is the expert when it comes to this. And you're going to hear stories of unrest on college campus. You're going to hear about some Title IX issues that are so much more deep and interesting than the black and white terms of the law would suggest. And so you got to tune in. Have I have I hyped it? How am I doing as the hype man today, John? Excellent. Okay. Excellent. The hype level is perfect. A, the hype is off the charts, as we say in Boston. So How do you spell that? Uh, <laughs> you got to make sure you spell it right. Just remove all... T's, I guess. All no, are, no, T's are in there. What add you H's. You got to add H's R's. and remove R's. There you go. There you go. Uh, You're welcome. You know, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Um, that, yeah, I was just, I happened to be watching Goodwill Hunting the other day, great and movie. Um, great movie. It's, it's an example of overcoming um, major challenges, and I'm not talking about how the character in the movie overcame his rough and uh, abusive youth. I'm talking about the movie overcoming the painfully bad accent of Robin Williams. Because <laughs> I mean, he got an Oscar for that and deserved it. Despite it's like when you when you uh, throw a no hitter, it's okay if you trip off the mound and make a fool of yourself. And that's uh, that's what happened with Robin Williams. You've never been outside of Boston. <laughs> we don't talk like that. When Southie or otherwise or otherwise. Anyway. So, um, so John and I um, had a great conversation, which you're going to hear. I want to be perfectly honest with my listeners. The conversation you're going to hear happened about 30 minutes ago, and now we're going to go back in time. The point being, this, this is an excerpt of a conversation that you will hear on Higher Ground if you go to that podcast, but it's just a little snippet. It's a taste, and it's on the subject of this, this uh, you know, we're talking Lori Laughlin, Felicity Huffman. Um, federal court right here in Boston and U.S. Attorney Matt Lelling, who's from Sharon Mass, by the way. Shout out, Sharon. Um, before before we play the, the before we roll tape here, I don't know what was your when you first heard the story break, John. What 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 kind of thoughts went through your mind? Yeah, so 
there's no video here, so you can't see my head shaking. <laughs> uh, big eye roll, big sigh. Shaking with disdain, yes. Yeah, just, you know, um, really just a sad reflection mm-hmm. on on a couple of different fronts. You know, the, the, the challenges that higher ed has to face just as an institution, mm-hmm. um, very complicated, you know, legal, emotional issues that intersect, um, you know, and by emotional, I mean, you want your kid to go to school. Obviously, they are underperforming or you wouldn't be accused of bribing somebody to get them in. Um, you know, and I know I've, this is going to be the third time I've said it today. What about the tutor, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just know, get the tutor. But also just kind of a sad commentary on um, sort of an expectation that the, the rules don't apply. Yeah. You know, and I think it's much broader than, yeah. you know, bribery. You know, mm-hmm. you, all you need to do sometimes is go out and see it on the playground. Yeah, it's an ugly part of our culture, and you just you never thought. I mean, listen, you always see people in our everyday society, people who don't think the rules apply to them, and they try to skip to the front of the line at the grocery store or whatever they're trying to do, <laughs> and it's this kind of entitled little circle. And in our darkest moments, we all will, will do that occasionally, but hopefully it's something just like the grocery store, and it's not like hire a tutor for our kid or just bribe the softball coach a half a million dollars. Mm, eh, I don't know. Or you're Let's, coming off the Zaken bridge or, and you know, you cut all the way to the head of the line. Oh, Starro. <laughs> I, you, know, you know what? You know what? Someone told me once and this in a very brief conversation, someone told me, I read an article where it says that if you do that, it actually helps the flow of traffic. And I was like, really? That's all I needed. I do that all the time. <laughs> I only I'm do it when guy. I come back from the beach and really tired. Yeah. Well, if flip me the bird, if you must Boston, but um, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sure. It's positive. If you're going to expect it anywhere, it's going to be in this city, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we ended up talking about this for a while, John and I, and I think you'll enjoy it. You'll get some insight you haven't heard yet. And by the way, just to uh, further plug Higher Ground John's podcast, in an upcoming episode, he will have former U.S. attorney Chris Toro, who's uh, an old buddy of mine, great guy, and he comes from, for lawyers out there, he comes from an amazing legal lineage. No of, question. Yeah, yeah. federal federal right. U.S. Uh, District Court Judge Toro, and, and then his dad, SJC Judge uh, Toro. Toro's all over the place. Chris may, may be a judge in the future someday. Who knows? Don't bet against it. Chris, an amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, super, super smart and a very strong moral justice-oriented compass. He's going to be a fantastic guest. I can't wait to talk to him. Can't wait. So check out and subscribe to Higher Ground and enjoy this conversation John and I had about Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and the whole college mess. Aunt Becky, Dave. Aunt Aunt Becky. Poor Aunt Becky. Oh, my God. Um, Fuller House fans, full house fans, the whole house has come down on uh, poor Aunt Becky. But enjoy this conversation. Here you go. You know this if you've been following it, if you've been... uh, uh, trapped under something heavy, maybe not, but otherwise you've probably heard of this case. We're going to take a quick listen to just to set the stage of uh, a news report. And we're going to begin tonight with Operation Varsity Blues, an investigation into the biggest college cheating scam ever prosecuted. Actresses Lori Loughlin and Felicity Huffman are among the 50 people now charged in this scam. Is Loughlin? Is Investigators say that wealthy parents paid the accused know. ringleader $25 million to get their children into top colleges. The alleged scheme involved bribes, cheating on entrance exams, and bogus athletic profiles. Authorities say the colleges and most of the students who benefited were not involved, but plenty of others were. Here's Chip Reed. This is a case where they flaunted their wealth sparing no expense 
to cheat the system. So Federal authorities were blunt as they announced the Justice Department's largest college admission prosecution ever. These parents are a catalog of wealth and privilege. U.S. Attorney Court documents say Welling. the scheme was in operation mm -hmm. for nearly a decade and involved at least 33 wealthy parents paying a total of $25 million to get their kids into some of the country's most elite schools, including Georgetown, Stanford, and Yale, through falsified test scores or pretending to be student-athlete recruits. The mastermind is William Singer of Newport Beach, California, who pled guilty today to crimes including conspiracy and racketeering and became a cooperating witness, mm. turning Evil in genius. clients including actress Felicity Huffman of Desperate Housewives and Lori Loughlin of the Netflix show Fuller House. Huffman allegedly paid $15,000 to Singer to boost her daughter's SAT score. Numerous parents paid Singer between $15,000 and $75,000. To have someone either take the exam for Just get their a child. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they considered the tutor first. Imagine the poor kid being so apparently dimwitted that the, the parents are saying, should we get a, a tutor for Jessica? Or should we now, go to prison? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, tutor's not going to do it for Jessica. Let's face it. She's uh, as dumb as the day is long. Let's just pay. Yeah, so you get the point. Um, and this, this, this case uh, is not... It, what is this probably about a month old at this point but it is ongoing and there will be twists and turns in this as the days go on right John? it's ongoing it's funny that you say that so uh, a buddy of mine uh from high school called me on friday uh mm -hmm. from another state and he you know he's a lawyer um and he was looking to link one of his clients up here in boston with some white collar defense counsel the person's i think a witness you know a grand jury witness or something at this point uh, with the possibility, of course, that that changes. And I actually had a hard time linking him up with somebody who was available because there are so many families swept up in this thing that uh, firms are conflicted. So in other words, he's he's looking for a lawyer to represent this person who may, may be, uh, well, definitely called as a witness, but may be complicit in some of the wrongdoing be, I don't know on the behalf details, of the family. So, yeah, it's just someone this person knows. And uh, since so many lawyers, so many great lawyers represent a lot of the schools involved, that that's a conflict? Is that... Or, um, or no, is not necessarily. It could be that the, the lawyers represent the schools or their firms do, um, but they're representing individuals. Other or, individuals. Yeah, so, you know, the defense of one individual might impede the defense of another wow. if the firm takes, the, takes both cases. Yeah. Um, just, it just, it, that's a, an anecdote to illustrate just how big this case is. Right. Um, I think actually next week we're going to host, um, Chris Toro, the managing partner of, uh, Lewis and Brisbois mm -hmm. Boston office, who, uh, is a former federal prosecutor here in the, in the Boston office of the U S attorney. That's right. Uh, and he's going to help us understand a little bit more about these things. I really... My name is Joshua Kissy. I'm 29 years old. Hey, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> I'll slice that up. Um, I muted that stupid thing. But All right, we're know, back in three, two, one. But Chris, um, you know, I, I don't know how these investigations work, what right. the, the intricacies are, but there are going to be implications for higher ed moving forward. Uh, I suspect the Department of Education will want to weigh in at mm -hmm. some point. I can definitely see some kind of regulatory initiative on the part of the department of ed so it'll be interesting to watch but what know, part what part of the law is deficient uh it, that seems to be what you're suggesting that there, there should be some new change that 
I, I just don't know how you prevent this. You the, know, the, the, the don't, don't take bribe law. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I thought it was. That's my point. I thought it was already illegal. By the way, bribes are bad. Oh yeah. Well, FYI, maybe we should have known that. Yeah. FYI. Right? Yeah. It just, just, but audacious in the scope. This thing. You know, the kids. You know, having photos, have their image photoshopped on phony athletic pictures. Uh, I just it the the gall of these folks thinking that it was cool, you know, <laughs> thinking that it was okay, you know. Yeah, I'll be really interested to hear, Dave, what um what the motives really are. I mean, the motive is to get your kid into school, but you know what underlies that? Right. Um, you know, is that the the parents' own ego? Is it the the children's lack of performance? Um, I think. I mean, I think that the the obvious answer, and I don't know if it's as simple as this, is is it's it can be parents can get caught up in something that causes them to become nightmares, and you see it on the sports fields, and you see mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. in this. Uh, I call it the AAU culture when it comes to sports like baseball and basketball. My sons put played uh, both, and with you know, uh, success and enjoyment to some degree. But I've been put off by this culture that if your kid isn't in the best position on this team, move him to a different team. And uh, it should come as no surprise, by the way. Sorry for this um, diversion into basketball. But oh, I love it. That, that it, it should come as no surprise that that's the culture in the NBA now because this is the first AAU generation to play in the NBA. LeBron and company. LeBron was an AAU star. What's the is the purpose of AAU to get better at basketball? Uh, perhaps is it to showcase your son's uh, or daughter's talents? Definitely. Is it to have fun and play like a team with your friends? Maybe not. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's this. Uh, maybe it was always there and just never manifested stuff like this. But there's this competitiveness among parents that somehow has run wild and the the guy being indicted the mastermind of this whole thing he was he had pitched uh, a reality show for himself on this on this subject it, i guess it never got picked up it actually wouldn't have been such a it actually would have been the be- the best reality show in history because it would have depicted him mm-hmm. scheming and arranging these bribes but yeah, he, right, but, right. but but he was a college coach and what he said a college admissions coach and what he said was on monday morning his phones would ring off the hook because the parents had all been out at their kids soccer games and comparing notes and they would say you know um well, Stacy Jones' parents are, are doing this to try to get her into Yale. Should we be doing that too? And it was just like this nuclear arms race until finally someone got the idea to do, maybe this guy, I guess, to why don't we just offer the softball coach half a million dollars? Let's see what happens. Well, you know, this is this is representative of a bigger challenge that higher ed faces. You know, this is affecting a, a handful of schools throughout the country. And this will blow over. Uh, I suspect Chris will tell us that a lot of these people will wind up not going to prison. Yeah. This is Chris Tor, who we will have on this podcast probably in two weeks. Check your listings. Checks pod, pod617.com. Thank you. Okay. So, um, but to your point about the competitiveness, right? We see that a lot with our clients uh, when they're dealing with a difficult student conduct issue. It could be a domestic violence allegation or, you know, a theft of like a car or something, you know, um, what's referred to in the law as a simple assault, two guys getting a fight, but, you know, the implications are big for the family. Right. And oftentimes the family's looking to go around the system. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very, very worried that if the student spends, you know, a semester on 
what we used to call the dean's holiday, which is you know suspension or you okay, know, yeah. maybe they're expelled, that their career is over. And no doubt a suspension or expulsion can have big career and life implications for a student. Mm-hmm. By the same token, the rules are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you see at times parents looking to go around the system where maybe they file a lawsuit, like I've got one right now, you know, a lawsuit where somebody's file, uh, suing to get back into school while they're on suspension. Um, that, what we see with the admission scandal is just a small, small subset of yeah, the bigger microcosm. problem. Yeah. And that's what your higher ed administration has to deal with. And then add oh, to God, this. It must be a nightmare sometimes. It can be really, really hard, yeah. you know, having, having sat in the chair of the student discipline office and then as their legal counsel, it can be really difficult to manage. And when you, when you inject a legal dispute into the management of those relationships and situations, again, you just have that perfect storm. You know, that just, again, goes to why we wanted to bring the podcast to this market because we want we want to trade ideas with people who have great experience and perspective so that others who are listening can learn from those experiences and and hopefully, you know, walk away with some, some ideas as to how to either enhance or tweak the way that they do business. Well, it's a nasty commentary on our society that these parents have to go through such lengths, but it does give us a lot of things to talk about on this podcast and will continue to. I imagine for possibly years. So um, make sure you subscribe to this podcast because it's never going to end, John. <laughs> We're, no, it's not. You know, and so uh, higher ed has always been breaking ground for society, right? You know, um, how do you mean? Tell me that. Well, so it's it's a no matter what school you're at, the the curriculum relies upon an exchange of ideas. This goes back to our free speech topic, but. It requires an exchange of ideas and pushing people to stretch their thinking, not necessarily to bend their values, but mm-hmm. to stretch the way that they digest information mm-hmm. um, and that they interact with people. And when that's happening, there's a there's there are growth pains or growing pains, right? You know, and when there are growing pains, then then there are legal issues. Sometimes. And so it, it's never going to change. As long as you have young people living on a campus, learning in an environment where there's a free exchange of ideas and there's an expectation that the uh, institutions function like any other business, you're going to have legal issues. Um, and so throughout the course of, of this season, we're going to be hosting guests on any variety of, of any number of a variety of topics. Um, you know, for example, we have Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the admission scandal, we've got Eric, um, on, Eric Kelderman, Eric Kelderman yeah. on the free speech issue. Later in the season, uh, we'll be interviewing Lisa Wade, who wrote a book called American Hookup, mm-hmm. uh, which talks about hookup culture on college campuses today. And that's exactly what it sounds like. We are going to um, host my very good friend and colleague and law partner, Scott Roberts, mm-hmm. um, Joe Storch from SUNY Albany, Andrea Stagg, um, to talk about Title IX. Joe and Andrea are, are in-house lawyers. Uh, Andrea's at Barnard College now, but um, they are in-house lawyers who have really made a name for themselves in the higher, in, higher ed industry in the Cleary and Title IX spaces. Joe is one of my early um, you know, networking partners and 
you know, he and I have been trading ideas for years. We ha- we used to actually run a summer seminar through NACUA, a webinar, mm-hmm. which I think was like seven weeks. We did that for three years, but it was to uh, basically give people the fundamentals of the Clery Act and, and compliance so that they could take them back to campus and then, you know, train down from there. Uh, but Joe and Andrea will join us with Scott to talk about uh, the developments on the higher on the Title IX front, specifically the proposed regulations uh, that are coming out of Betsy DeVos's office, which are so highly controversial and are going to represent a radical shift in the way um, Title IX process is handled in the industry. Well, this has been a great preview for what's going to be a great podcast, and I presume that you want people, friends, colleagues people who are in, I'm sorry, NACUA, let me get that right. NACUA. Nac- yeah. People who are in NACUA and others to suggest topics for this podcast, to suggest guests for this podcast. Would love it. Okay. Would how, love sh- it. how should they get in touch with you? So uh, there are a few different ways. Um, I am pretty active on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the higher ed front. Uh, my handle is at JT Graff, J-T-G-R-A-F-F. Um, Don't forget that second F. It's for fabulous. It's for fa- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, we can have a different one every episode. So that's it. That's uh, John. John, uh, thanks for having that chat with me. I learned uh, a ton and will continue to learn as this thing goes on. And I, I think we, we both agree that um, there are twists and turns to come in this story, right? With the bribery and the SATs and all that business. Oh, for sure. And uh, like many other things in higher ed, once the dust settles on the criminal front, you can expect some more uh, scrutiny by the Department of Education at that point. You mentioned that, yeah. yeah. There's all kinds of dust yet to settle. Poor Aunt Becky, covered in dust. The prison yard is and dusty. Not, and not golden dust either. <laughs> Yikes. Parents, just get your kids a tutor for crying out loud. Or do it if you're super rich, do it the old-fashioned way and donate a building, right? <laughs> just like Thornton Mellon did in Back to School. Yes, right? all. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Yaz Hall. Uh, the Yaz Atrium. Yeah, maybe someday. The the Yaz uh, bathroom behind the gym, I think, is the best The best we're going to do. Is that the bush outside? That's the bush. <laughs> yes. I'm going to plant one, and hopefully my kid will get into Rutgers or some such place. I don't know. Um, we'll do our best. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the Boston Podcast. If you like this pod, do us a favor and share it with a friend or a colleague. All past episodes at pod617.com. For John Graff, I'm David Yaz, just a guy from Boston. And if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. So thanks for listening to my conversation with John Graff today on the Boston Podcast. As a special bonus today, we're going to give you a preview of a different show on the Boston Podcast Network. It's called Shawshank, and it comes from the comedic minds of Nick Stevens, Matty Blake, George Kippenham, and Uncle Buck. Now, as a warning, there's some pretty raunchy language on this podcast, so not safe for work. It's a show where the Shawshank team breaks down aspects of movies that you've never even considered. On this episode, the gang counts down the greatest swear words used in movie history. To listen to the entire show in the entire Shawshank library, go to pod617.com backslash Shawshank. That's S-H-A-W-S-H-A-N-K-E-D, Shawshank. Enjoy this special preview of this week's edition of Shawshank. What up, gangsters? My name is Inigo Montoya. Movies that you get, Shawshank by. Come on, do it, kill me! I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshank. And on your 50th viewing... Shawshank. This movie has everything. Shawshank. Kiss masks. Lee Trevino. Shawshank. 
one-armed black man named Chump. Shawshanked. Oh, my goodness. And we're back, and we are all deaf. So thank you for that, David. <laughs> Our producer, David, starting us off with a loud uh, reintroduction. Here we are, Season 3, Episode 3 of Shawshanked here on the Pod 617 Boston Podcast Network. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. And thank you for joining us. We actually origi- got the original band back together for this one, if you can believe it. Let's start to my right. Maddie Blake is here. Why are you unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? Why don't you just shut the fuck up and leave me alone? Oh, all right. Uh, Nick Nikolai Stevens? Oh, I think I have a frush. <laughs> what the fuck is a frush? <laughs> Georgie Kip? This is going to be a beauty. Go ahead, George. What hey. the fuck are robster cross? <laughs> How's that not the greatest swear in history? Yeah. Hey, you, get your damn hands off her. You guys really think I should swear? Yeah, <laughs> god damn it, George, swear. Oh, that's pretty oh, good, Kip. Nice. Hey. Hey. I thought it was going to be like, I'm um, fucking BB-8. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, NSFW, this podcast. Yeah. I'm actually mad that he did an actual... Regular open. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I know. Right. A very uh, Merry Christmas, movie house. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's uh, two shows in a row, non-racist uh, open from Kip. Well done. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> that's, an improvement. Improvement. that's an improvement. The Boston improvement. Yeah, remember the Asian one. The Boston. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Lawyer yeah. is not happy. Right. Um, I won't talk. So one of the things that we talk about as big movie fans here on the on the pod is is when we do movie quotes, so many of them involve swears. So we started talking and thought to ourselves, what are our favorite swears? <laughs> In movies, right, mm-hmm. Kevin? We sure did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. We sat down and had an organic conversation. Hey, what are your favorite swears in movies? What are yours? I don't know. We talk about a lot different. of shit. Our different. threads, yeah. our conversations about the different little things in movies. Are, they're are, not normal. Are, no, they're yeah. not normal at all. And I don't know where this one came from, but a lot of times the topics for Shawshank Podcast sort of spin out from something else we're talking about tangentially. Last episode, which I thought was a, a hoot, and if you've missed it, go back in the iTunes archives and listen to it. It was our disappointing sequels, which spun out of a text argument amongst all of us about Creed Two and Lego Movie Two. Right, right. Which I liked. <laughs> Which caused us to start swearing. Which, exactly. Said, you know what? And then and we're like, let, fucking, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, but, the fucking craggle. <laughs> but then as we're compiling all of our swears, we decided to come up with our 20, uh, for this show, 20 favorite swears in movies and their uses. And then this will be a two-part episode, so we'll have 20 more coming in episode two. Great. I guess we'll have 40 total. So before we get started, though, and they're not ranked in any particular order, Thought you guys would find it interesting mm-hmm. that uh, the movie and you mentioned it earlier. Um, the movie, <laughs> the movie with the most swears. <laughs> yes, the movie. No, the movie with the most swears of all time is the Wolf, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. Okay, well, is that you true? Took, you took I the guess so. Right there. Oh wow. Uh, no, but Gone with the Wind is yes. credited with being the first movie with a swear. Oh really? What is it? Damn. Oh, I know. Remember when he goes, uh, "You fucking cut." <laughs> <laughs> Love that scene. So good. That was actually one of the outtakes, I believe. <laughs> right? <laughs> Scarlet, come here. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Welcome back, Red, Maddie. Red, if you ever talk to me again that way, I'll strangle you with your own cock. <laughs> Give me a cigarette. <laughs> well, what the hell do it? Uh... <laughs> Um, but actually, well, I guess we're all gone with yes, the fucking wind. Yes. But uh, they can they, they have swears, actually, that they've done research back into the 20s, you can believe that. The first F-bomb mm-hmm. ever recorded in a film? Silent movie. Uh, <laughs> the artist. <laughs> Ulysses from 1967 is credited with the first Who the F-bomb. hell is in Ulysses? Yes, I don't know. It was a good one, though. 
Wait, is uh, that an adaptation of James Joyce? I'll show myself out for knowing that. Wow. Oh, boy. I know. Uh, but the, yeah, the Wolf of Wall Street the recently big brain on broke, Brad. Yeah. The, the broke the record for most swears. So uh, why don't we go ahead and start our swear countdown mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with number 10 from Maddie Blake. Maddie, what is your 10th favorite swear in movie history? Well, you know, Buck, with these lists, I always try to think about them and come up with like my way of doing it. Great story. <laughs> so, oh, God, I missed that. And so uh, for this list, how I decided to do it, fellas, is swears used as art. Like the impact of, it could even just be one word or it could be a flurry in some of my uh, list. But just like where it was so impactful and where I could just, the scene wouldn't be the same without that word or words. Uh, So So the TV version is terrible. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, it's not just uh, shock value. It's It's like... Actually, good script writing, and and it's a great performance by the actor, and the way he uses that curse word just gives it so much more. It emphasizes right. yes. a, a sentence, mm-hmm. or it's used for comedic purposes. So to that end, my number ten, I'm going to go with. It's not. It's it's my least offensive word on my list, but it's the great Jack Nicholson in court on trial. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did! Awesome. If he had said fucking, if he had said shit, anything else wouldn't have worked. <laughs> if he had said shitting, yeah. Good old well. God damn. Oh, and, the, yeah, and he says dude. it like a Marine. He gets that Marine cadence at the end. His voice lowers a register. It's a master class in acting, master class in screenwriting. I love it. A good old fashioned God Nicholson damn. Nicholson only had, what, three or four scenes in that whole movie. Yeah. I know. Right. That's Sorkin, too, I and think. I think he right? still got yeah. an Academy Award, didn't he? He got nominated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Tom Cruise's uh, complete uh, restrained performance. Daniel Kaffee. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> what does she win? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, court martial. All right, let's keep, <laughs> let's keep moving on Not as uh, as on our list. Nick, what is your number 10 swear in movies? Well, you have to put a movie with Joe Pesci will appear in this list several times. You got to put a De Niro in there. You got to put Joe Pesci. And, of course, you have to have a Scorsese movie. Salute, Tommy. One more shines, Billy. What? I said no more shines. Maybe you didn't hear about it. You've been away a long time. They didn't go up there and tell you. Uh, I don't shine shoes anymore. Oof. Relax. What are you for crying out? What's, what's got into you? I'm breaking your balls a little bit. That's all. I'm only kidding with you. Sometimes I mean, you don't sound like you're kidding. You know, there's a lot of people around. I mean, I'm only kidding with you. We're having a party. I mean, I just came home. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I'm breaking your balls, and you're right away you're getting fucking fresh. I'm sorry. I don't mean I'm to right. offend you. I'm sorry, too. It's okay. No problem. Okay. Salute. 
Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, come on. Right the exchange. Go home and get your fucking shine box, motherfucking, motherfucking mutt. Yeah. You see how crazy Pesh she is. It was an incredible oh. performance. I had no idea what a shine box was at that point. I still don't own one, but I kind of want to at this point. Now I feel like I'm kind of... Exactly. Now, like now I'm kind of talking like one of those. I mean, it's just one of the great exchanges in movie history. Yeah. You know It'll what? never not be funny to tell your friend, go home and get your fucking shine box. You know what? Buck and I talked about this a little before we started the podcast. If we had another one from that movie, how about the line from Michael Imperioli... Uh, why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? Yeah. And then Tommy turns around and fucking blasts and blind him. And kills him. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That, and that's a, yeah, that's a huge turning point in the movie. Right. Just right. the fact that even, does he not swear, does that even happen? Yeah, right. And, and Scorsese movies are so great at like, every character makes a decision. And it's like, that decision seals his fate in that mm -hmm. moment. And that guy doubling down, there's a pause, there's a beat. He could have let it go. They both yep. apologize. He doubles down. Go get your fucking shine box. Seals his fate. Yep. yep. Dead. 100%. Dead. All right, let's move on to George Love and Kip. It. George, what's your number 10? I think there are two great rants in in, uh, in swears in, in 80s films. One of them is from National Lampoon's Vacation from Chevy Chase. Yeah. And they're about to go to Wally World. But... Shit happens. <laughs> well, I think Normie will understand when he sees the note we pin on Edna's sleeve. Sure, Clark. He left his dead mother tied to a lawn chair in his backyard. I'm sure he won't mind. Look, it's all over and done with. We'll find a place to stay for the night and we'll start fresh in the morning. It's fine. I don't want to be in the car anymore. I want to go home. I don't want to go to Wally World. Clark, under the circumstances, I wouldn't mind if we just went home. In retrospect, it seems like a pretty bad idea driving out. It's been one disaster after another. Yeah, it's been a real drag, Dad. Maybe we can try it some other time. Wally World's overrated anyway. What do you think? I think you're all fucked in the head. <laughs> Ten hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. It's a quest for fun. <laughs> I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun when we need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn spiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your asshole. <laughs> That's the line. i got to be crazy. I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise Marty Moose. Holy shit. <laughs> God. Is there anybody see, with a better tirade than, oh, than no. Chevy Chase in these movies? Again, Think about Christmas Vacation. Uh, that movie there. right there, in that one what scene, in that one it, rant, yeah. in that one scene and rant right there, there are ten times as many laughs in that sequence than there are in ten reviewings of Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Good day, sir. Wow. Nick's still not oh, a fan of Christmas Vacation. Still hates Christmas Vacation. Wow. So crazy. Whistling zippity-doo-dah out of our assholes. That's a popular opinion than uh, yeah. not liking Anchorman, I'll tell you that. Oh, Buck, what do you got? I'm going to go with my number ten. Great this choice, is from uh, my favorite, one of my favorite movies, Stripes. Yes, you speak some English. Son of bitch. Shit. Yes! So I love this. So Harold, this movie uh. starts basically, you're introduced to the characters. Uh, you know, Bill Murray's a cab driver. Harold Ramis is just trying to get by as a, uh, an English teacher to a bunch of foreigners, <laughs> and he cannot get, cannot get anybody to recognize any English. So finally, he says, anyone know any English at all? Anything. And this guy raises his hand, and, and of course, the great, one of the great comedic things is when the foreigner only knows profanity. So that's uh, my number 10 from Shreds. Now, as a kid, since my dad would let me watch anything at home, basically, and took me to movies that were f wildly inappropriate for the tender age of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever, when Star Stripes came on in 1982 on, this was pre-HBO, so we had like the little box that got like the Star Channel. 
which only had like two movies a day, and then on the weekends they'd have the premium movies. And when he let me watch Stripes, and I saw A, boobs, and then B, <laughs> and then B, I heard swears. I was like, I have to be the luckiest fat eight-year-old oh in God. the yeah. entire South Shore of Boston. Yeah. Oh, my God. Stripes yeah. Stripes will always hold. Oh, yeah. and, and Get out of here with your takes about the last third falls right. apart with the war movie. Give me a break. As I learned right, in my Jerry. childhood, uh, as I learned in my childhood, w- when you see boobs, it's always uh, replete with tons of swears. Yes. Mm. Right. That's why like, your mother was like, get out of the fucking bathroom. <laughs> Go shit somewhere else, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on here. Maddie, what is your number nine? Uh, number nine is on the heels. I was going to save it, but since Georgie just did what he did with Clark Griswold, appropriately for the theme of the podcast, I call this one, Fuck You, Nick Stevens. <sighs> hey. <laughs> any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me? <laughs> I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, Stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Holy shit. <laughs> There's the laugh in that movie. Uh, but, 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 but what's... Great. Uh, spotty-lipped. Okay, but what is four-flushing? I uh, never no, know what the hell four-flushing is. And, and the, and it's it, on a roll. Yeah, it, no. goes on, it goes on, and, and uh, it gets almost better when he, he does the whole... Tap dancing with Danny fucking K and all yeah. that. I mean, it's, a, it's an epic rant. It's it fantastic. Really it's Chevy Chase at his best. Uh, Nick, let's go on to your number nine. Uh, this swear needed to be put in here because I don't think a line with a swear ever was the elevator pitch or the reason a movie was made. Mm. Except in the case of this Sam Jackson. Enough is enough! I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, it's the whole movie. That's it. It's the whole they movie. sold the movie. It was Great called call. Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. And the whole yeah. pitch was him just saying, yeah. I've had it with these motherfucking snakes. <laughs> that became like a cultural uh, thing. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, it replace before, it with everything. And we didn't that's have gifts. We didn't have like gifts, right. gifs or memes back then. Right. But that was like one that we just like, you know, oral history, we just passed on to each other. Like, yes. like you'd see your friend and be like, what's up? I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking yes. plane. It became a thing. It was a thing, yeah. Great call. That should be on this list, absolutely, because that is a huge use of a swear that... that transcended the movie that it was right. in. Yeah. Yeah. And remember going to see the movie because like you got so hyped because of the trailer and hearing the swear? Yeah. And then you were like, wow, <laughs> I'm tired of paying $15 at a New York City movie <laughs> yeah. theater for this fucking yeah. Yeah. bull snake in a theater. Yeah. It's yeah. T- it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But great line. This is on the movie poster. Right. Know? And Sam Jackson is so, yeah. so well known for that motherfuck. Right. Mm-hmm. Top five, like if we had a quick sidebar list, sidecast, uh, top five swearing actors, with oh. Sa- like Pesci's well, on there, and Sam Jackson's got to be on there. But Jackson really only uses motherfucker. Like how? But he uses it to such yeah, great effect. He's a such a great point. Chevy. Chevy. Maybe Chevy now we're realizing certainly. George, let's go on to yeah. your number nine. Yeah. So I think this was probably considered the first horror comedy from 1987. It's the Lost Boys, and this scene is the perfect mm. uh, the per- the perfect statement for uh, swear. 
in horror comedy. Holy shit! The attack of any monster! Get him! <laughs> Everyone remembers that one. What was that? Holy shit, it's the attack of Eddie Munster. It's the Holy little... shit, it's the attack of Eddie Munster. <laughs> Get him. Uh, it's horror comedy. Uh, the kid yeah. turned into a vampire. Yeah. Right. Shut up, Nick. Oh, man, how many times have I been in a Patriots oh, game and I've been like, holy shit, it's the attack of Eddie Munster. Walk into a bathroom, somebody blew up, and holy right. shit, it's the attack of Eddie Munster. Uh, yeah. One of the Corey like movies cra- has to be my, represented. My wife, here. she goes crazy shopping. I get the credit card bill. I open it up. Holy shit. It's the attack of Eddie Munster. <laughs> Sick of these motherfucking Eddie Munsters <laughs> on this motherfucking you know podcast. What? You know what? I can't All win right. even when it comes to the curses, <laughs> man. Nope. 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 George, Kevin, and Ken. Right. Bach. Okay. Is it Bach. Okay? You're a female uh, Phil Hartman dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David started incorporating drops now. It's I hot. Love, I do it's like hot. David's I drops. They are good. Uh, all right. For my number nine, I'm going to go with the big Lebowski, David. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. I am the walrus. That's ex- shut the fuck up, Donnie. Donnie, shut the fuck up. When do we play? Thank you, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants to know. Walter, what's the point, man? Come on, Donnie. Let's go get us a land. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. An outburst. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Wait in the car, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. I mean, John John Goodman and Steve Buscemi in, in Big Lebowski, you know, his belittling of poor Donnie through the entire film, and then his point, his pointed tribute as he's uh, flipping over the Folgers can and dumping <laughs> Donnie into the abyss. Donnie, who loved the Pacific Ocean. Uh, that was weird. I never yeah. saw Big Lebowski. <laughs> You're lying. I what? swear, I never saw Big Lebowski. What? To this day? Yep. Oh, cool. I still haven't oh, seen it. Nice oh, nice swear awesome. from the Lost Boys. Yeah, Lost Boys swear has <laughs> never seen Lebowski. He's on a fucking movie podcast. <laughs> You've never seen the Big really? Lebowski? No. Let's, so oh, why? He's the dude, right? The dude? Because Chris Pratt doesn't ride a velociraptor in it? Look. Because there's no choral uh, 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 gang fight of choral singers? Yeah, because Anna Kendrick doesn't yeah. tell Rebel Wilson to sing out of her asshole? <laughs> when I'm gone. When I'm fucking gone. Let's, 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 if we may, Mystery. You know who's a disappointing sequel? You. <laughs> Uh, we have our our, our favorite mystery guest. Drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mystery guest is here. Mystery guest is here. Uh, mystery guest, I'm just tallying in my mind the amount of films that Kip has not seen. Classic films: uh, Godfather, Godfather, Blues Brothers, and Big Lebowski. Blues oh, Brothers, geez. Big Lebowski. Yeah, I haven't seen it, any of the In Godfather. fairness, none of these are ever on basic cable. Thank you, Jerry. True. No, oh, Big I mean, Lebowski is not. running nonstop on Vice Land, <laughs> and George you, has no idea. Everybody can't. has. If you have CNN, you have fucking Vice Land. Nick never saw the Sandlot. Twenty-seven you, you times a day. <laughs> wow, the Godfather and the Sandlot in a sentence <laughs> together for the first time ever. <laughs> All right, let's keep let's keep this thing rolling, shall I hate we? Uh, Maddie, what is your number? Why eight? do I even talk? I don't know why. It's like Pope Francis going. You know what? The Bible never read it. Just <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never got to it. Been meaning to pick it up. I uh, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, all right, let's go to uh, a film that I referenced in. Oh no, I'm sorry. I love this movie. I've called it on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. In my estimation, the greatest action film of all time, and one of my favorite swears ever uttered in the moment it was uttered. It was perfect. Didn't see it. Okay, motherfucker. Right? Oh, that's, that's, perfect. That's, that's a great perfect. Right? That's a great point. I, I remember seeing that in the theater, you know, how old I was, and just like, yes. And and it's 
And it's 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 Arnold. It's like the Arnold way doing he says Arnold it. Cursing. You know what I mean? Like anyone else. Actually, Nick, that might be a little precursor in a weird sort of way to snakes on a plane. You know, kind of a sticky use of the F word. Sick of these motherfuckers on this motherfucking plane, and you're one ugly motherfucker in the 80s. But it was also a, a great impact. It, yeah, and we didn't hear Arnold swear that much. And right. another Arnold swear will, spoiler alert, appear shortly on my list. But it was used to great comedic effect. It yes. broke the tension. And the last thing you expected was like a, a swear used to comedic effect in this incredibly tense moment where you thought Bingo. Dutch was going to die. And also, can we talk about how well the Predator is held up as a horrific uh, a special effect? Yep. Like to this day, that movie's made what, 86? Yep. 86, Okay, 86, 87, whatever. I, I can't think of a movie since then where a creature has been more disturbing to look at. Yeah, and, truth. and it doesn't look fake at all. It looks completely biological. It's like one of those Rick Baker creations, though, and back when they used to actually make real movie monsters. Right. And like the, the first dinosaur you costume. see in Jurassic Park, like the, the, the face with the dilating eye, it's real. That's why Dude, it looks real. And those disgusting talon teeth, and then they open up and that. And, it, what else could you say? But you are one George. Ugly George, that was a, perfect. George, that was like a Bijan Frise growling. That was Michael Winslow doing the Predator. <laughs> oh, let's hear it again. Fantastic. Do it again. Let's hear. Yeah. Let's hear Michael, Michael Winslow, Winslow doing the Predator. That's perfect. Chewbacca. Wow. Chewbacca. I wasn't. That was Chewbacca. <laughs> Why am I horny? <laughs> <laughs> and on that, we're gonna wrap this one. All right. Uh, episode I don't have a leg to stand on. Uh, three, uh, part one of our uh, two-parter here, uh, Greatest Swears in Movies. Uh, as we wrap up here, Nick, where can you find us? That's at the Matty Blake. This is Georgie at the Other Pats Fan. I'm at Ahoy Nick Stevens or Fitzy GFY if you like inappropriate sports talk. You are at Uncle Buck WAF. And of course, this has all been brought to you by the good people at Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network at Pod 617. All right. Before we wrap up, Jerry Thornton, we love you. And we will see Wherever you, you are. next time. Wherever you, Wherever you are, Jerry, we love you. Shawshanked. <laughs>